Hello, I'm Andrew Ovens, and this is Clearly Cathartic, a podcast aimed at disempowering the shame of mental illness. Everything in this episode is commentary and personal experience. While I hope it gives insight into your own mental health, it is not intended to be taken as a replacement for medical advice. I do truly hope this show helps you. Growing up, I think we were all taught that it's important to show our appreciation and our gratitude when somebody helps us out or when something good happens to us. As a teacher, doing gratitude exercises with my students is definitely something that I use as a mental health education tool because showing gratitude actually does improve your own mental health. That's something that we'll get to a little bit later in today's episode. But I wanted to start off with the idea of having gratitude for mental illness and mental health struggles. Is it possible, is it easily possible, to have gratitude for mental health issues? I've tried over the years to be grateful for every experience that I've had, and I think I even mentioned that in one of the other episodes, that I'm happy um, to have experienced some of the hardships and struggles and difficult social situations that I've been through because it has created the me that is now talking to you over the magic of the internet. But it still seems really hard to be thankful for something that causes such discomfort and pain. I'll refer to gratitude sometimes in this episode as the practice of gratitude because that's what it's all about. It's like practicing mindfulness. If you don't do the practice, then it doesn't work when it's important. Gratitude is like that. Also, like mindfulness, the point is to make it a habit so that when you really need the positive effects of gratitude practice, it's already something that you do automatically. Being prepared before there's a fire saves you when there is a fire. So being prepared before a mental health crisis allows you to be prepared in that moment. Human beings are inherently selfish. I think most organisms are selfish to some degree because that is one of the driving factors behind evolution, survival of the fittest and all that. I'm not saying that humans don't have any pro-social tendencies at all. I just mean that it's not too hard for us to be selfish if we're not paying attention to it. As I've progressed along the trail of my mental health journey, I've tried to keep in mind the importance of having gratitude and appreciation and showing that, not just keeping it inside my own mind, but making sure that others that I appreciate know that. When discussing depression during the episode on depression, I mentioned that it's necessarily a selfish thing. And that's true. When you're, when you're very depressed and spiraling down to your rock bottom, it can be tough to think about the world outside of yourself. It sort of feels extra bad looking back on periods of depression because you realize how much you were wrapped up in your own mind. Not that it's a choice and not that you did it on purpose and, and we should discuss that at length, but it is just what happens. That's how depression works. But when I'm not feeling the effects of depression, I do try to make it my viewpoint to appreciate everything that's happening around me, no matter how big or small, 
not because I see life itself as a gift, but because I know that I only get one shot at this. I don't see life as being some sort of a gift bestowed upon us by an omnipotent force, but I am grateful that I got to be here and experience reality. I wouldn't know the difference if I didn't get to experience reality because nothing would be real and I wouldn't exist. But anyway, my point remains, I am happy to have been here, um, to have experienced life, because out of all the quadrillions of atoms, probably more than that, in the universe, a bunch of them got together and arranged to be this form that is Andrew. That's pretty cool. I try to keep that in mind as a way of practicing gratitude. I am, I am grateful for the things I've been able to experience, not even big things. I'm talking about just having awareness of life. That's, that's amazing. When I was planning for this episode, my original intention was to have two sections, one on gratitude and one on appreciation. Um, but the more I worked through this, the more I realized that the difference between the two isn't that important anyway. We could say that gratitude is a deep feeling, uh, transcending time and space, and that appreciation could maybe be something more of a surface level emotion, an awareness of something that benefited you or someone who helped you out in a simple, everyday fashion. I'm not going to argue the semantics of it. The point is that after having planned the episode in two different sections, I decided to mash them all together because they're pretty much the same thing. So I may use gratitude and appreciation interchangeably in this episode, but um, in effect, I'm talking about the same thing unless I specify otherwise. Going back to that idea of practicing gratitude and appreciation, one of the benefits of living a life where you are aware of the need to be grateful and to practice appreciation is that it helps cultivate different perspectives. As humans, we have this really cool ability to be able to imagine something from somebody else's point of view. That's a skill that develops early in childhood, and it is uh, striking compared to other animals and, and, and what we can observe of them. When you have the ability to see things from multiple perspectives, it leads to more understanding. And that in turn leads to smoother social interactions and the betterment of society for all, hopefully. And what's wrong with that, really? I might touch on the idea later of feeling awkward and forced into appreciating and having gratitude and why it can feel like it's the right thing to do to resist gratitude. But for now, I'll just leave that thought there. What's wrong with understanding people more? After all, humans did evolve the ability to have compassion. We are not the biggest animals. We are not the strongest or the most ferocious animals. I would hazard a guess to say we are the most intelligent. Some of the things my cat does, for example, indicate that his level of intelligence is much lower than mine. The cat toy will not come out of the other side of the box because there's no opening on that side, for example. But my cat is also a fierce predator. He is really good at attacking toes and bits of string and silverfish. Cats evolved in a way that made sense for them. They are intelligent when it comes to hunting, most of the time. For humans to have been able to dominate the planet in the way that we have, we had to work together. Because we weren't the biggest or the strongest animals, we needed to evolve ways of cooperating and understanding each other's point of view. Going back to the episode on ADHD, I mentioned a question that I noticed on social media. If you could get rid of your ADHD, would you? 
I still think that I would, but knowing full well that I can't just eliminate something as complex as ADHD, I try to at least be grateful for the lessons I've learned from it. Being grateful doesn't mean, of course, that you have to like everything about a situation or be happy to have had it occur. It can also show up in situations that are annoying or frustrating. Maybe you wouldn't know until after the situation had resolved itself that there was something to be grateful for in there, but it's still there. Having said all of that, I do recognize that it can be very difficult to have gratitude sometimes. But on top of that, too, is the guilt from knowing that you should, in quotation marks, should have gratitude and appreciation. This might be one of those fake-it-till-you-make-it situations, where you are feeling like the lowest thing that has ever existed on the face of the earth, and having gratitude is just not what you want to do at that moment. But having listened to this podcast, and perhaps having done your own research a little bit on things, using appropriate and credible sources, you decide that you're going to pretend to have gratitude because it's good for the brain. It can help with extreme periods of depression and sadness. But then when you try to have that gratitude, you try to feel thankful, actually feel the, the feeling of thankfulness for whatever you're going through at that moment, something inside just doesn't line up. You don't feel that gratitude the way you normally would, the way you expect to at least. And that's where that guilt can come from. I think it's okay, though. I think you just continue on in that moment practicing having gratitude, accepting the fact that it feels very weird and awkward and stupid even to, to try to be grateful for the pain, uh, the mental anguish you may be experiencing at that moment or did experience before, but you pushed through. Once you've, once you've pushed through on some mental health issues, um, either forcing yourself to see a doctor or just surviving a low, it becomes easier to push through on other things too. Easier, not easy. So you push through. You force yourself to have gratitude, to be grateful. You accept that you are thinking in your mind commentary about the stupidity or nonsensical nature of having gratitude in such a time, but you do it anyway. Because you've learned along the way that pushing through really tough moments, seemingly impossible barriers of thought, is possible. And so having blind faith, you practice gratitude, and then, hopefully, along the line somewhere, it starts to feel real. It starts to feel genuine, even when you aren't feeling very well at all. That's the goal, anyway. That's the, that's the point of practicing gratitude before you're in some sort of mental health crisis. As I said before, it's preparing for a fire before there is a fire. Sometimes the fire will not be put out by the measures that you had prepared in time, but sometimes it will be put out. So it's definitely useful to make a habit of practicing gratitude, even if it's as a backup, backup, backup plan. That does sort of relate to pride, though, too, especially if you're considering gratitude and appreciation as being not worth your time or just something stupid or not something that you want to engage in. I think there's more to unpack there. I'll just say quickly that overall, in the grand scheme of things, in the course of your life, pride is pretty useless. It sort of gets in the way, and it's just thinking anyway. Sure, it does help in some social situations, but overall, when you look at the course of your life, if you were full of pride at one particular moment, perhaps too prideful to practice gratitude, 
that's going to be such a small blip on the timeline of things that you might wish that you had been able to surpass that feeling of pride at the moment. And this idea of practicing gratitude and having it pay off later, that's not even the only result. Sure, it may not become a habit right away, and it may be something that you have to work on to have it happen automatically, but the chemical responses are immediate. Even if this is the first time that you have done a gratitude practice session or even just considered the thought of um, maybe being grateful for the breakfast you had this morning or appreciate the work that your partner did to get the house clean for the guests. Um, even if it's just something as small as that, you, you will feel, or at least some part of you will receive a, a positive chemical response from that. And that is what reinforces those thought patterns and, and electrical highways in your brain so that they're easier to use next time. One of the most calming and centering things that I can do when I am having mental health struggles is to go for a walk in nature. There are studies that show the positive benefits of being out in nature. It does something to our brains. For me personally, what helps the most when I'm out on a walk in the forest or a field somewhere is paying attention to the minutiae of life the small little happenings that are going on all the time around us that we normally don't even really pay attention to. I find this easier to do in nature because there are fewer distractions. So, for example, I'll be walking along um, through a patch of wildflowers and I will stop and, and study and look at and smell and take in the, the flowers that I'm looking at. And maybe there's an insect here or there, possibly a bumblebee, just sort of dozily bumping along from flower to flower. At that moment, I appreciate so much what's happening around me because I normally don't stop to actually see it. It's, it's a cliche, but stopping to smell the roses or wildflowers is good advice. If you've never literally taken the time to stop and smell the flowers, do that. It can be, it can be quite nice, actually. I've previously mentioned the difficult times that I had as a teenager growing up. I'm not going to say if I'm grateful for them or not, because that is a bigger subject than I think I can get into without having talked to a therapist about it first. But I am grateful for the length of life that I've had. I'm grateful to have made it this far because there were many times I didn't think that I would ever be around long enough to be an adult. I don't think it's always necessary to need to compare in order to have appreciation or gratitude. It's tempting. It's tempting to say, I have been on this earth for 39 years, which is a lot longer than some other people. Some people don't even get out of childhood. I don't really find that point of view helpful, though, because while I can attempt to understand the other point of view in that situation... It's more of an intellectual exercise than actually feeling what the other person feels when we're talking about having been around for, for quite a while. Maybe part of that feeling is just not being able to predict how it would feel to be a certain age, to, to be 39 and, and to look back on everything and understand the perspective that I have gained. Sort of like if I were to imagine being 79 or 89 right now, I have no frame of reference for that. I can, I can imagine, based on having gotten this far, um, it, will be, it, it will be a similar feeling, I imagine, but 
I don't think that it's possible really to understand that point of view. Still though, after having said all that, the idea that I will be 40 years old in the next year makes me extremely appreciative for what I have. I actually wonder if this is how everyone feels when they get to this age. Maybe we all look back and think, wow, I was so self-absorbed when I was younger and I didn't appreciate the time or the people or what I had. Maybe that's normal. I think that could work for any age too, whether you're in your early teens or mid-teens or 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s maybe. Try to take a moment out of your day to reflect on that. Regardless of how long you've been around, look back on your memories and reflections and, and try to see if there's any sort of feeling of appreciation for having gotten as far as you've gotten. If there's not, then that's okay. I don't think that means anything in particular. It's just another moment where you can practice gratitude and reinforce those thought patterns in your head. If you do come away from such a reflection with a feeling of appreciation for somebody or something, I encourage you to try to share that appreciation, either with the person that you appreciate or even just in a journal somewhere. It's not enough to think about gratitude and appreciation. To really ensure that it can make a change in your life and the lives of others, to be honest, you should try to let them know. A piece of wisdom that I have gathered along the way and that I try to keep at the forefront of my mind all the time is, what do I want people to say about me when I'm gone? I imagine everyone standing around at my funeral or my remembrance service, talking about me and reliving all the fun things that I did. One of the things that I hope that they'll be talking about is the positive change that I made in the world and how I have helped other people. I don't share that in order to be too morbid or serious. I just think it's a good way of getting your priorities straight. What do you want others to remember about you? Once you've figured that out, it becomes much easier to live in the way that you want to live. I want people to know that I appreciated everything that others have done for me. In order to make sure that actually happens, I need to let them know. And yes, it can be awkward and embarrassing when you're praising somebody to their face or, or being honest and, and open about the help that they gave you, but that feeling of cringiness, uh, it, it doesn't last very long. That goes away and then you're left with the feeling of having possibly brighten someone's day or, or um, let them know that they mattered when they didn't realize that. I hope that I've shared this before with the two people in question, but in case I haven't, I am extremely grateful for two of the principles that I've worked with over the years. I'm grateful for all of the principles I've worked with over the years, um, for all of the principles listening, but there's two in particular that helped me understand that I could actually be successful with my ADHD. I could, I could be successful in life despite the fact that I am hampered by a lack of executive functioning. The first was a principal that I worked with right at the beginning of my teaching career. Her son, she told me, was very much like me and also was trying to start a career in teaching. So she understood my struggles with organization and becoming overwhelmed by daily events. So she shared tips and tricks of, of what she's learned along the way and how, how those could help me and how I could still be an asset to a school and, and change lives. And the other principal was somebody who modeled for me 
how to be a successful educator and supervisor while dealing with ADHD. There are other people that I know I never thanked or let them know that I was grateful for their help. Probably the biggest example of that is someone who helped me when I first moved to Asia, but I still would like to share a few things about that story. When I moved to Asia, I was in a place of needing to run away from my home life. Um, so I did it in the most extreme way I could think of, moving to the other side of the planet. I've said before that that was a very formative experience in my life, as everything was different than what I was used to. Social norms, body language, cultural expectations, everything. I worked with a fellow Canadian teacher who had been in that country for over a decade, and he really made me feel welcome and helped me understand the pace of life and, and the expectations on me as a teacher in that foreign country. He still lives there now, and I don't think I ever really had a chance to speak with him after that first year of working together, but hopefully at some point I'll have a chance to catch up with him again and let him know the difference he made in my life. To answer my question from earlier in the show, am I grateful for all the mental health struggles that I've gone through over the years? I guess I am. I'm not grateful for the events themselves, but I'm grateful for the results and what I've learned from those moments. So while it is true that it is extremely difficult, impossible almost, to consider this idea of gratitude as something, something to make yourself do when you are going through mental health crisis, there is always something there to be grateful for. It could be something very small, like observing a flower, and then you appreciate that moment. Or it could be something very big, like somebody helping you out when you move to a foreign country. But there's always something in our lives that we can appreciate and feel grateful for. After you've practiced gratitude for long enough and it becomes a bit of a second nature, the feelings of gratitude actually become quite calming. Here's my suggestion for a mindfulness and appreciation exercise. Sometime during the next day or two when you are in a calm moment, perhaps in your home or your bedroom or outside, uh, and you're not in a rush, you're not trying to complete anything, take a few minutes to, to stand or sit and just observe what's happening around you. That in itself is a mindfulness exercise where you pay attention to what you smell and see and hear and so on, but bring another element into it, if possible. If you have a pet nearby or a family member, perhaps a, a partner or a friend or a sibling, take the time to observe them and their patterns and habits. Try to capture that feeling, if it shows up, of appreciation, of, of gratitude, and make a mental note of how that feels. And then the next time you see that person or cat or plant, try to recall that feeling. Not with the intention of having it always around, because if you always have a feeling of positivity and gratitude, then it sort of gets diluted and doesn't have the same power as it did before. But if you can recall that feeling of gratitude whenever you see that person or object or plant, then that feeling will become linked in your mind with the situation. And then that emotion, that strong inner feeling of true appreciation and, and gratitude that just emanates through your body, sort of that warm, fuzzy feeling of, wow, I love that person, or I'm so thankful my cat chooses to hang out with me on the couch. 
that feeling is so helpful and positive and healthy. It's a feeling that I have right now recording this podcast, thinking about those that I appreciate. And then it becomes easier to recall, too, at other times when you need to feel like you matter or somebody cares about you. You'll have that, that reference point of appreciation for something in your life that makes you feel more than, than just a deflated balloon. It fills you up inside. And then hopefully moving forward, you'll be able to recall that feeling in other situations as you make those other connections as well. So the, the point of, of this show is to explain that I am grateful for certain things and appreciative of much of my life. And that's sort of a selfish thing in itself because I'm feeling those positive physical sensations in my, in my brain and body and spirit. But it's also a really effective tool for keeping you centered and putting things into perspective. I'll finish off this show with some hopeful thoughts for the future about things that I want to appreciate and want to make sure I don't miss. We are living in a time of rapid technological development and advancement. Within my own lifetime, I have seen the adoption and rise of the internet into what it is today, a life-altering, societal paradigm-shifting tool that has changed all the rules. And that's just in the last 25 years or so. I'm sure I won't be around in a couple of hundred years to see flying cars and the resurrection of dinosaurs and planet hopping and all of that, but... I'm curious to know the technological and scientific and medical breakthroughs that will happen in my life. I appreciate getting to live in this time of technical wonders. We're seeing some pretty cool stuff right now. Going forward, I am going to continue to try to be grateful for the people and events and technological changes that have happened during my time here. I hope I'm around a lot longer because there's so much to be grateful for and it does provide such a a feeling of safety and comfort and warmth, and I want to pass that along to you and everyone who's listening. There's so much to be grateful for in this world, but sometimes we just don't realize it's there. I hope you're able to take some time and consider what you have in your life that is worth appreciating. It really can provide help during turbulent emotional mental illness struggles. Thanks for listening. <laughs>